Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. Um, I want to just kind of dive right in this morning and ask you a question. It's a rhetorical question. I don't expect you to answer or, or shout out your answer, but, but have you ever been out? You know, out in town at the mall or at a restaurant or, um, you know, at a ball game or, or, or at the grocery store. You're out, okay? You're out in public. Have you ever met a friend, a family member, somebody from out of town that you didn't know was going to be out of town, and they wanted to come over to your house? And, and, and you meet this friend, particularly maybe if you've ever, like if you're in college, and, hey, I want to come over. Man, it's so good to see you. I, I haven't seen you in a long time. I'm going to come by. Come on, let's go to your house. You ever had that experience? Unexpected guest that you weren't planning on it. Well, in that moment, you will, you will discover the difference between a rookie spouse and a veteran spouse. And let me tell you what I mean. I have made the mistake of being the rookie husband. When you just show up, open the door, hey, honey, I'm home, Brandon's with me. Friend, it will not go well for you (laughs) if you do that. If you do that too many times, uh, it really will not go well for you. I learned really quickly as a rookie not to make the mistake of forgetting to make the phone call. Do you know what I'm talking like about? I call it the code call. It, you got to make the code call if you're out, particularly if you're a dude and, and your wife's home, you got to make the code call. She expects you to make, she still won't be happy about it, but you better make the code call. And here's what the code call, is how it sounds. You, know, you pick up the phone, well, take out the phone. Nobody picks up the phone hardly anymore. Hey, honey, it's me. She's like, I know it's you. I've got caller ID. I saw it on my phone. What are you doing telling me it's you? I know that. Hey, I'm here at uh, I'm here at the ball game, and I ran into Brandon and Lisa. They're in town. They're coming over now. Now, on the other end, your spouse is going, "What? Are you crazy? That's that's ridiculous. They can't come over. How? The house is a wreck. The kids have there's half-eaten bowls of cereal in the kids' room. You can't bring them over now. No, no way at all. Oh, she's so excited. We'll see you in a few. Bye." What happens at that moment is that your house turns into complete chaos and pandemonium. I mean, you're, you, if you're the spouse that's home, you're running through the house. You're chucking you know, laundry onto your bed in your bedroom because you've had it on your couch for three days. You're, you're stuffing half-eaten bowls of cereal in the kids' closets. If it's out of sight, it's good. And then you, you walk home, and, and, and I open the door, and I walk home, and I get hit with this, like, air freshener smell. Because <laughs> it's been sprayed all through the house. And, and I walk in, and, and what was pandemonium, now I see Hope, and she's standing there, and she's got a, a, a plate of cookies in her hand with an apron on. I didn't even know she had an apron. It's like, oh, hi, I baked some cookies. Look. I'm like, honey, you don't bake. She bakes every Thursday. What is that? What, what, what is that about us that makes us do that? Why are we all pretending? You know what I mean? Like, like why do we all pretend? We're supposed to be friends. These are good, dear friends. These are like 
family and we feel like we've got we've to clean up or that we at least can't be honest. What I want to tell my friends, Brandon and Lisa, who are actually friends, uh, no offense, we love you guys. If you're watching, you're welcome at our house anytime. <laughs> um, they are from out of town. Um, and if it's you, you're welcome anytime. But what I want to tell them is you're a, you're a big inconvenience right now. No, I don't want you to come over. I don't want you to stop by. I don't want to pick my underwear up off the floor. But we pretend. We pretend. We, we pretend, you know. Can't we all just be honest, you know? To, to be honest is to say, you know, my house is a wreck. But the truth is, that's how we normally live. We just pretend and clean up when you come over. We're all, we're all pretending. What is that? What's under the surface of that kind of, that kind of game that we all play? Is it, is it just how we want to be perceived? Like, like we got to spray good stuff in the air because if they come over and it stinks, they'll think we smell bad and they won't like us? Like, is it just how we want to be perceived? I mean, or, or is, it, is it something deeper? Is it, is, it, is it something about the way our world works? The way we're all hardwired to really, really function as if I've got to pretend to be somebody that I'm not. You know, what... What is that? Is it is that if the, if if they discover that we're hoarders and sloppy and smell, maybe they won't want to be our friend. And what's all the more ridiculous is that many of us function this way in our relationship with God. Many of us are not just hardwired to function that way with our friends and family, but we actually enter into a relationship with God under those circumstances. We think that if we shove all of our junk into every closet, cabinet, and corner of our heart, that somehow perhaps maybe God will stop by and spend time with us. I think it's just something about the way we are. I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 19. We're going to take a look at a story where Jesus is the unexpected guest. He is the guy that, he, that, that, that you meet out in town and says, hey, I'm coming to your house tonight for dinner. Luke chapter 19, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 10. If you have a Bible, feel free to turn there. If you don't have a Bible, don't sweat it. We're going to have the passages of Scripture up on the big screen behind me, also on the back of your program, and you can follow along on your smartphone. And, and, and while you're pulling that out or, or getting everything ready, I just want to remind you, uh, just briefly, that, that you know he knows, right? Like, you know God knows. He knows all of the corners. He knows all of the cabinets. He knows all of the closets. He created them. He knows what's in them, and he already sees it. Like, like he knows. We're so busy. Have you seen that commercial? I've seen it, like, in the mornings, and it drives me crazy, about the stuff, uh, the stuff all your stuff so you could stuff more stuff in the stuffy. Anybody seen that? It's like an infomercial commercial. You have? Yeah, it's this weird, like, kid's toy. But that's how we act. Like, if I can stuff all of my stuff in the stuff, then, then God won't see my stuff, and, and he'll really love me. And Jesus, what's crazy about Jesus, what we've been learning the last several weeks in this series, is that Jesus drove people nuts because Jesus didn't, didn't operate according to that social norm that you've got to stuff all your stuff and you're stuffy and stuffed enough stuff. He didn't operate that way. And this week, we're going to see Jesus be accused of hanging out 
with really bad people, super bad people, dogs, outcasts. They're going to tell Jesus, Jesus, you hang out with rejects and losers. What are you doing? Don't you know how sloppy and messy these people are? Jesus doesn't seem to mind. Verse 1, Luke chapter 19. Jesus entered through Jericho and was passing through. Now, I'm going to pause right there and just make this one brief little comment. It looks like what Luke is telling us is that Jesus is on a journey. On that journey, he's got to go through Jericho, but Jericho isn't really his destination. You know what I'm saying? He's just passing through. It's a spot on the map between point A and point B. Wherever point B is, probably Jerusalem, he's just passing through through. He's not intending to stop. He's not going to spend the night. He doesn't need Motel 6 to leave the light on for him. He's just passing through. Verse 2, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, who was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. You know, Zacchaeus climbed up in a sycamore tree, the Lord, to see. I'm sorry, my brain needs medicine. Um, <laughs> I, every time I read this story, I have to sing the song obviously. Uh, he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Now, who was this guy? This is all we really know about him is what Luke tells us that, because this is the only gospel that this story appears in, Luke chapter 19. We know two things. We know he's a chief tax collector and we know that he's very wealthy. Now in our culture, we love tax collectors. The IRS is everybody's, like, like on everybody's friend list on Facebook. You remember MySpace? You had the top eight. The IRS was always everybody's number one. We, don't, we can't really relate to a culture that has issues with the tax collecting system. We have to really stretch our imagination. At least we know what we're going to pay. You know, at least we can get online or look in a book and, and take our scale and, well, here's how much money I made, so here's the percentage, and, and here's the, all the, it's at least written out. In these days, Rome was collecting the tax, and they had how much they wanted, but they would employ uh, locals in an area. They would, they would find one, one dude and, and set him up over the region, and then that dude would hire, like, thug henchmen to go out and actually collect the taxes. And here's how it worked. I'm going to bust up in your door. I'm going to tell you to give me X amount of, of whatever. I, I, you don't even know. I'm just going to tell you. And whatever extra I can get out of you, then, then what Rome expects, I get a pocket. And so you can imagine the, the corruption that can creep in in a system like that. There is no standard Whatever I can extort out of you, I get Rome, theirs, they get theirs, they don't care, I get to keep the extra. Now Zacchaeus is involved in this system, and he's not a thug on the street who's going door to door. No, no, he's been in the system a lot longer than that. He's a chief tax collector. That means he's, he's, he's set up his, his Ponzi scheme, and he's at the top, and he's got people doing the dirty work, and he's getting a cut from everybody. So the, his henchmen go out, they collect the tax, they bring it back to him, they keep their share, he keeps his share from everybody, and then he sends it to Rome. Zacchaeus was not a well-liked individual. In the New Testament, they were despised, they were hated. Now what happens is when we look at Zacchaeus, we round off his edges. We make him a, 
a poor soul. Poor little Zach. Hard on his luck. He's just, we ought to feel bad for him. He's just, it's a tough, tough situation. Man, poor, poor soul. Don't feel bad for Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus doesn't feel bad for himself. He's short, but he's made up for it with a big bank account. Don't feel bad for Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is living the life. Zacchaeus has got it made. Zacchaeus is a bad man. I mean, he's like, like if you think of, you know, if you, if you would go back to the, to the 20s and think of like the mafia, the mob boss or something, that's Zacchaeus. He's the, he's the godfather. <laughs> he's in charge of the whole thing. Nobody needs to feel bad. For, he's the dude living on the hill in the big house with the infinity pool that he put in by getting your grandma's retirement fund. Don't feel bad for Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is, a, is an abuser. He hurts kids, families, and little old ladies. He is the guy who's killing all the penguins. I mean, he's a bad man. Not only is he bad, but he's incredibly wealthy. He's got it made. He doesn't want for anything. He, he hangs out in his hammock, and people bring him grapes, and, that, and they feed. He's got it made. He shows up at a party. He doesn't have one girl on an arm. He's got two girls on an arm and two behind him. He's living the life. <laughs> not that that's the life, but you know what I'm saying. We don't need to feel bad for him. He's not... Jesus isn't coming to his town and Zacchaeus is thinking, I sure hope Jesus saves me from my sins. Save him from what? His big bank account? This is, guy, this is not a guy that's crying out, help me, I'm at rock bottom. This guy's got it made. Other people are so angry at Zacchaeus' lifestyle that they want to kill him. Even people in Jesus' inner circle, if they knew that they could get away with it about Jesus seeing them, they would kill this man. That's how much he was hated, even among Jesus' own disciples. He was a Jew cheating other Jews out of money. He was the worst of the worst. He had his own classification of sinner. If you read through the New Testament, it says tax collectors and sinners. That's a way of saying the worst of the worst and the really bad people. Like, they're so bad, they don't even get categorized as sinners. They're a special kind of sinner. They're a tax collector. This is a dude who is totally out of God's will. In fact, he was so far removed from God's will and God's family of Israel that he had no hope of sharing in the blessing of being an Israelite. He had no hope of sharing in the inheritance of being a Hebrew. He was completely removed from the community. He could not go to synagogue. He could not go to the temple. He was totally cut off, and he was okay with it because he had a big house. He had a sweet pool. <laughs> he had a man cave, and he had all the ladies that he wanted around him feeding him grapes and apples and whatever else he wanted. This dude was a bad man. Verse 3. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. Of course he wanted to see. He's curious about who this guy is. And why is he curious? 
Because this guy, people are saying, hey, maybe he's the Messiah. And Zacchaeus knows because he grew up as a Hebrew, so he learned the Old Testament. He knows that the Messiah will come, and everybody's expectation is he'll raise up the nation of Israel and kick out the Roman Empire. And if the Roman Empire goes, Zacchaeus' livelihood goes. And he's not too keen on that. He's made a good life being a friend of Rome. So he wants to know who this guy is who's coming in threatening his operation. Look, dude, you're going to be the Messiah. You have to, we're going to have to figure this out because you're going to ruin my, my deal I got going here. So verse 4, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. First half of verse 5 says, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, and we're going to pause right there. Zacchaeus is, is, is curious. He's heard a lot of rumors about this guy. He wants to check him out. Problem is, he's short. He is vertically challenged. He would not fit in at our church. <laughs> and just his luck, or, or perhaps he thinks, you know, uh, because of my supreme climbing skills, Jesus must have seen my ingenuity and my ingenious uh, approach to see him by climbing this tree, and Jesus stops at his tree. And I want to pause there because I'm not, I, I don't be offended when I say this, but we have a lot in common with Zacchaeus. You're thinking, Pastor Josh, you have not seen my bank account. <laughs> I do not have a lot in common with Zacchaeus. Yeah, you do. I do too. And here's how. A lot of us live our lives under the assumption that if we can climb a high enough tree, then Jesus will stop and see us. If we can climb a big enough tree, then maybe Jesus will take notice of us. Like Jesus is going to stop, wow, Zacchaeus, you're eight feet off the ground. That's impressive. But see, the way we do it is we think that Jesus is going to stop at our tree and say, wow, you prayed for 15 minutes. I'm stopping at your tree today. Wow. You've come to church four straight weeks. That's a whole month. How do you do it? We think that. We think that. And then we look around at others who are climbing bigger trees than we can climb, and we have tree envy. They climbed a bigger. We look, man, they climbed a bigger tree. Jesus is going to notice them before he notices me, so I've got to climb higher. I got to get higher because only the crazy climbers get noticed by Jesus. Only the people who can climb really high. Maybe I'll impress him with my climbing ability, my climbing skills. And then we come to churches, and unfortunately, even churches like ours, and we have these communities of tree climbers. We're all swinging from the trees. We come in here and we, and, and, and we keep climbing and, and, and we encourage each other on the climb. It's like the Miley Cyrus song, Before She Got Weird. Um, you know, it's the, it's, we come to churches and it's like, it's about the climb. Climb higher, climb faster. But, but my family's falling apart. My wife hates me. My kids are a wreck. Do better. Try harder. You can climb. Now, what we do at church? Climb higher. I'm about to fall. 
Don't look down. Just keep looking up and climb. You can do it faster, harder, read more, pray longer. That's your problem. You're not holy enough. We encourage each other on the climb. We've got people falling out of trees, breaking their arms because they can't manage the climb anymore. And I love, I love, I, I can't tell you how much I love what, what Jesus tells Zacchaeus right here. That's why we stopped the rest of verse 5. Look what, he, he looks at Zacchaeus and he says, Zacchaeus, come down. <laughs> what are you doing up in the tree? Come down. And I like he doesn't even stop there. He says, come down immediately. Now. Don't hesitate. Don't think about it. Come down immediately. Come down from trusting yourself. Come down from trusting your abilities and your giftings and your devotion and your good deeds and your good works. Just come down. Some of us in the room, our whole relationship with Jesus is built on the premise that if I can climb the tree high enough, then he'll love me. And Jesus is at the bottom of the tree just looking at us saying, come down. <laughs> come down. He's doing his best Bob Barker impersonation. Come on down. The price is right. I think it's time that we, even, even if you've been following Christ for a while, I think it's time that we all just get honest. Look, we got dirty towels on the floor. I got dirty dishes in the sink. My wife doesn't bake, and I don't even like the music that I'm playing when you walk in the door. It's all just a big fake pretending to make you think that I'm somebody I'm not. Just a work in progress. Sometimes I say something and I get on your nerves, and sometimes I'm annoying, and sometimes you might want to punch me in the mouth. I'm just a work in progress. I'm sorry. Can we, what, what if we built a community around the idea of let's just all come down from the tree and realize that we all need Jesus? What if we built a community around the idea of let's all just come down from our tree climbing ways, realize that the ground is flat around Jesus and we're all on the same level and we don't have to pretend and we don't have to climb higher and climb faster. We can just come down. What would that look like? Well, Jesus doesn't stop there. Like I said, Jesus is going to invite himself over to Zacchaeus' house. And Zacchaeus didn't even have a cell phone to call and say, Hey, I'm coming with Jesus. Uh, rest of verse 5, I must stay at your house today. And look at what Zacchaeus does. Verse 6, so he came down at once. He didn't hang up in the tree. Well, Jesus, I think of the, my view is really good from here. Can we just, can we relate like this? Me and my tree, you on the ground. No, he, at once, at once he comes down and welcomed him. Look at this, gladly. Zacchaeus is excited. Zacchaeus is so excited, he hurries down the tree like a little squirrel. <laughs> and he's excited. And you know what? That's weird, isn't it? Think about this for just a second. If you grew up in church, maybe you grew up in a church like I grew up in the church. Zacchaeus isn't supposed to be excited. Zacchaeus, you ought to be sad. Tone it down some, bro. You're a sinner. You need to be sad 
and you need to be really, really sorry, and you need to be groveling, and you need to be crying. Don't you remember that you're a sinner, and that you're no good, and you should be sad about your life? And he's not. He comes down, and he welcomes him gladly. It's like he and Jesus go walking off arm in arm, and they tick off all of the people in the crowd that have been following Jesus. They make them mad. Because they're thinking what you and I are thinking when we see somebody who's, who's a tax collector and they walk in our church and they experience the presence of Jesus and they leave excited and we're thinking they ought to be sad for what they've done. When, when, when is their godly sorrow? And, and, and here's why we know they're ticked off. Verse 7, all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest. And look at their attitude, their, their prejudice in their heart. He's gone to be the guest of us. It's, a, it's another way of saying he's gone to be a guest of a dog. And not like Randy Jackson. It's not, it's not an encouraging word. It's a very, we, we, we PC it and make it soft. It's a, it's a derogatory. He's gone to be the, the, the guest of an outcast. I mean, it's like people are looking at Jesus and saying, What? You're going to his house? Jesus! <laughs> He cheated my mama out of her retirement to pay for that house. Are you going to swim in his pool too? Don't you know? My business closed. We had to file bankruptcy so he could put in that pool. What are you doing? And Jesus doesn't give him a heads up. He doesn't be like, I'm a missionary. Pray for me. He didn't do it. He just walks off. And people are standing there. For all they know, he's going up to Zacchaeus' house to chill and, and relax and eat grapes and swing on the hammock. They don't know. They don't know what's going to happen. But verse 8 is where everything changes for Zacchaeus. This is, this is the only context we have. Verse 7, the people are mad. And here's verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, he just called the man Lord. Now, to you and me, that might not seem like a big deal, but to Zacchaeus, he's calling this man that he just met while he's hanging out in a tree Lord, which is another way of saying Master, which is another way of saying, I recognize you are God. How long was that dinner? An hour? Two hours? An afternoon? An evening? One moment with, with Jesus. One moment sitting at the table with Jesus and Zacchaeus is ready to proclaim him Lord. Clearly, faith is bursting out of Zacchaeus' life. Look what he says. Here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. You know, churches like ours with the message that we put out there not that anybody in here has ever said this, but sometimes I hear comments from friends that I have in other places about churches like ours, and they say, don't we need to be careful about preaching too much grace? When, when are you going to talk about holiness? When are you going to talk about morality? When are you going to tell people about their sin? When, when you just keep pointing people to Jesus, is that really enough? When are you going to train people about what they're doing? When are you going to tell them that what they're doing is wrong? When are you going to talk about 
sin. And it's an honest question. I'm not, it's a very genuine question and I don't blame them because I ask the same kinds of questions as, as, as a preacher. God, am I really, am I really saying the fullness of what you would have me say? Am I really giving people a clear picture of this? It's an honest question. It's a genuine question. And here's the answer to that question. According to Leviticus chapter 6 verse 5, and Numbers chapter 5, verse 7. The law, the Old Testament rules and regulations, the Old Testament code, said that voluntary restitution, if you stole something from somebody and you were going to return it, exactly what Zacchaeus is doing, voluntary restitution called for the return of the original amount, 100% of whatever you took, plus one-fifth plus another 20%. So the law says you return 120%. That's the law. That's the holiness code. That's the rules and regulations. You get 120% back. But Zacchaeus just committed to 400%. Meeting a man, <laughs> encountering grace, eclipsed the requirements of the Jewish law by 280%. Why? Grace. Grace. He met a man. That man's name was Jesus. He didn't meet a list of do's and don'ts. He didn't meet a, a code of rules and regulations. He met a man and that encounter changed everything. Scholars say that Zacchaeus probably did not have that much money. He was not that wealthy. This was more than he had, which is another way of saying, Jesus, everything that I have, I'm giving it all away. And everything that I earn in the future, I'm giving it all back. I'm getting out of the tax collecting game. I'm giving up my livelihood. Everything about my life that I have known, I am changing it right now. And it wasn't because he got taught a, a, a self-help lesson, and it wasn't because he heard a really good teaching about the law. It was because he met a man full of grace. Is grace enough? Or do we need to help it along a little bit? Grace accomplished in Zacchaeus' life what a thousand years of rules and regulations could never accomplish. In a moment, grace did more. When he stood up and proclaimed his intention to give away everything that he owned, he wasn't thinking about the law. He was thinking about love. He was thinking about the love of a man who would risk time at his house and at his table. When I think about my life, it's always been love motivating far beyond what the law ever could. I wonder, at Vertical Church, you know, it, people, people, is Vertical Church, is Vertical Church about holiness? Is Vertical Church a holiness church? Are we about generosity? Are we about healthy marriages? Are we about good parenting? Yes, but you don't get there unless you meet the man. You don't get there if you, if you don't meet him, and you can't stay there if you take your eyes off of him. You, you don't get there if you don't meet him, and you can't stay there if you don't keep your eyes on him. 
That's why we preach so much grace. That's why we preach so much Jesus. Because, because the, the, the life that we live is the overflow of the love for the man who risked time. Not just at Zacchaeus' table, but at my table. And at your table. And at the table of our... Who, who is Zacchaeus? I am Zacchaeus. You're Zacchaeus. We're all Zacchaeus trying to climb our tree so that we can see Jesus. But then when he comes by, he says, stop playing that game. Come with me. I want to eat dinner at your house. And that relationship that gets created over that intimate meal changes everything. Everything changes. Look at this. Look how it ends. Verse 9. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. Now, before he was cut off, he was not part of Abraham's family. He was a tax collector. He was removed. And Jesus says that, that, that everything that he's done, all of his lifestyle choices, all of his sin has not had the power to remove him from the reach of God's love. This man, too, is a son of Abraham. And look at this, verse 10. This is, how, this is how the story ends. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Remember at the beginning we said Jesus was just passing through Jericho? Evidently, according to this verse, Zacchaeus' house was not a delay or a detour on Jesus' journey. It was the very purpose of the journey. Jesus didn't get delayed. Jesus didn't have a detour. No. His purpose is to seek and to save people like you and me, like Zacchaeus, who everybody else, for whatever reason, either because of our sinfulness have said we're removed or because of our self-righteousness, we've removed ourselves from grace. And Jesus is always seeking and saving those people. And Zacchaeus' lifestyle had not moved him beyond the reach of God's love, nor has yours. Nor has mine. Today, friend, if, if we will come out of our trees, he'll meet us. If we will come down from trusting ourselves, from trusting that we need to get our house cleaned up before he stops by. The fact is, that's the reason a lot of people aren't at church today. You invited them, but they said, no, I got to get things right first. Then I'll come to church. It doesn't work that way. And it doesn't have to. It's not just that it doesn't work that way, like it doesn't work that way, he's going to clean. He doesn't expect it. He's the kind of person that walks into the house and the dirty clothes are laying everywhere and the clean clothes are laying on top of them and he doesn't care. And we don't have to pretend. We don't have to be fake. Jesus sought after and saved Zacchaeus and he wants to do the same for you 
whether you don't know him at all right now or whether you are one of the people like me who've been climbing the proverbial tree of religion and rules and regulations if I can perform good enough then maybe he'll answer my prayer if I can do all the right things if I can pray enough if I can read enough scripture if I can fast enough then maybe he'll see me work that way Come down. Come down. Don't wait till you fall down out of the tree and break your leg. Do what Zacchaeus did. Come down immediately. And go to dinner with Jesus. He doesn't care that your house is dirty. He doesn't care that your heart has issues. He doesn't want you to shove all that junk in the closet. Leave it out. pray for you this morning. Lord, you are faithful and you are good and you are loving and you are grace and your grace this morning, Lord, it's reaching out into our hearts, God. God, I pray that we would be responsive this morning. everybody with their eyes closed and their heads down. I want to talk to two groups of people and I want to do it very distinctively. And the first group of people I want to talk to this morning, you came into the place and your relationship with Jesus is unknown. Uncertain. You don't know where you stand. Now maybe you think, well I've I did this all before. I did it as a kid. I did it as a, at a vacation Bible school. But, man, my life's not really a reflection of that. I'm not making decisions based upon that. I'm not in relationship. When I have an issue that comes up, I don't ask Jesus what I ought to do about it. But today, he's spoken to you. And like Zacchaeus, he's told you, come down from the tree. I'm coming to your house. now he's knocking on the proverbial door of your heart would you just open the door and let him in you say pastor josh what does that look like i i'm not sure am i good enough what if he gets offended when i open the door and he sees all of my junk why do you think he's knocking on the door he was willing to spend time at a tax collector's house do you know this would completely separate Jesus from the entire religious community? And he was willing to risk it all for one man. Friend, he doesn't care what's in your heart, what you've been trying to hide, the junk, the, the mistakes, the mess-ups and mishaps. He knows them all, and he created you so he knows where you're hiding them. You just open the door. How do I do that, Pastor Josh? You just say, Jesus, come in. For those of you that that's you, I mean, that's, I'm reading your 
Facebook messages right now. That's me, Pastor Josh. Jesus is knocking on my door. I can feel him. My palms are a little sweaty. My mouth feels dry and my hands are shaking a little bit. That's me. I want to lead you in a prayer. It's real simple. You just say, Jesus, come in. Come into my house. Come have dinner with me. Come sit at my table. Lord, I welcome your grace. I welcome your love. Lord, your love will do what I could never accomplish on my own. Your grace will do what I could never be good enough to accomplish. I welcome it. If that's you, friend, just tell and say, I welcome it. Come into my life. Come into my house. Friend, if that's you and you've just welcomed Jesus into your life, we believe that he's done a, a transforming, transforming miracle right now. You have gone from, from the, specifically the verse, he came to seek and save the lost. You just got found, friend. You just got found. And we want to know about it. Not only do we want to know about it, more importantly than that, we believe it's important for you to tell people about it, to go public with it, to say, I was found today. Jesus found, I was lost, I was wandering, I was confused, I was, I was living the life, but I know that I'm separated from life itself, and today I welcomed him into my, into my heart, into my life. I opened the door, and I said, come in to celebrate with you. Here's what I want you to do. That, that communication card that we talked about just a few minutes ago. Take a minute. Grab it. Write your name on it. Put a little bit of information on there. An email address. An address. A phone number. And on the back there's a box that says send me info about a, becoming a new believer. A new follower of Jesus. Check that box. And when the offering comes by or at the end of our service you can take it to the VIP area. We have a gift for you because we want to celebrate with you. Make sure and stop at the VIP area and say, I gave my life to Jesus today. Can I have the, 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 the gift that Pastor Josh talked about? I'm excited. You don't have to leave this place sad. You can be like Zacchaeus walking arm in arm with Jesus gladly and excited and pumped because Jesus did something awesome in your life. It's for you. For you. The second group of people I want to pray for this morning. Maybe, maybe you consider yourself a Christian and you are. You've, you've, done, you've invited Jesus, but, but you've been climbing the tree. You've been trying to, you've been thinking that if I can be good enough or I can do better or I can, I can sin less, then maybe he'll notice me more or maybe I'll make him happier. That's you, friend. Come down. Come down from that tree. Listen, this is a, I know this is going to sound really cheesy, but he climbed the tree already. You, you follow me? He climbed the tree, and he died on the tree. That tree will kill you. That tree will murder you. You can't climb high enough. 
You can't do better. He climbed the tree and it killed him. And it'll kill you. That's why he says, come down. The price really is right. I paid the price. You don't have to climb that tree. I did it for you so that you wouldn't have to. Come down from trusting yourself and trusting your good works and trusting how long you can pray and how long you can sustain your holiness by yourself. Come down and experience grace. Grace will do what law and rules will never do in your life. Falling in love with the man who risked time to be with you will do what nothing in your life could ever accomplish. Come down. But my house is dirty. Come down. I've got junk all over the place. Come down. He knows it. He sees it. And that's why he wants to come in. You don't have to die on the tree. He did it for you. Pray for you. Nobody's looking around. Nobody's nobody's peeking. If you say that's me, Pastor Josh, I'm I'm climbing the tree. I'm a believer. I, I I have a relationship with Jesus, but I've been trusting in the climb. I've been trusting in the tree to get him to notice me. I've been trusting that our relationship was built on on how high and how fast I could climb. And I'm ready to come down today. Would you just throw your hand up in the air and pull it right back down on the count of three? That's me. I've been trusting the climb. I'm coming down. One, two, three. Would you just throw your hand up and right back down? Up and down. Up and down. Thank you. Thank you. You don't have to stay on that tree. You don't have to climb that thing. You don't have to. Thank you. Thank you. I want to pray for you. Lord, we collectively come down. (laughs) We come down. Lord, as we open our hearts up and invite you in to see who we really are. And we're not going to rush and try to hide things and as if we could hide them from you. We're just going to be vulnerable. Would you do in our life what you did for Zacchaeus? Even those of us, God, who, who know you, would you save us all over again? It would be like that. It would be like feeling it all new again. Thank you, Jesus, that we don't have to climb the tree because you did already. You know, would you just let his forgiveness just kind of wash over you right now? I feel like he just wants to like wave over your heart and just like wash it clean. And, and, and allow you to feel that kind of restoration effect. Some of you may want to cry right now, or some of you may already be crying. Listen, friend, that is that is the Holy Spirit working in your life, and those tears are, are a way of cleansing your heart. As I said last week, it's what Martin Luther called heart tears. It's a, it's a way of cleansing. Just, just let, him, let him work in your heart, in your life. Just let him move on you. If you want to cry, cry. If you want to weep, weep. If you don't want to cry at all, you don't have to cry. I mean, can anybody do anything? 
You might feel joy right now. You might feel excitement because you feel the freedom of that, of coming down. You feel the, the weight has been lifted off of your shoulders and you're just pumped and excited. love you today. Thank you so much for meeting with us here. As we leave this place in a few minutes, God, go with us. Remind us, Lord, that tomorrow we don't have to start the climb again. We don't have to go back up the tree. Even though the enemy is going to tempt us, we don't have to do that. We can just trust in our relationship with you. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.